Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Feminism, 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 feminism ruins everything. It's a feminist podcast. Hello and welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. We are the feminist podcast where we give critiques to movies, musicals, and pop culture phenomena and potentially ruin them. Potentially. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording today's podcast on stolen Ghana land. We would like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Folks, we are very excited to today be chatting about a musical that was a movie, that was a historical event. It was a thing that happened. (laughs) I could not be less interested (laughs) in the historical context. You know what's wild? Like, when I was in high school, I hated history. It was my least favorite subject. It was the worst subject that I did in year 12. Um, (laughs) Like, it was my worst grade. Yeah. I just never gave a shit about history. And now, as an adult, I'm like, God damn, history's important, isn't it? Mm. Like... Gracious, just to know about like um, past atrocities that have happened and how to not let them happen again. Like, wow, that's so significant. And also, like, understanding where like cultural significance came yeah. from. Like, hot damn, history is so important. It, it's always an atrocity as well. It's never like, we're going to learn history about this really nice event that happened. It's no. always about people abusing cultures and wars and shit. Yeah. Um, or in the case of Newsies, the 2011 musical, did I get the year right? Was it 2011? Yeah, 2011, 2012. In the case of the musical that we're talking about today, it's, you know, um, child labor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in a really rare case of abusing children in child labor, uh, rising up against that. I'm obviously being sarcastic because (laughs) child labor is child abuse. Uh, full stop. Every, every single time. Uh, but particularly in, in <laughs> this... This is going to be the most chaotic entrance of any episode that we've ever done. You know what? I'm for it. It's about time. <laughs> people have gotten used to what we're doing. You know, we've been doing it for, what, 30 plus episodes. And people are like, we understand the formula. No, you don't. We're keeping it fresh. Mix it up. Mim's going to do some of it in French. Am I? I'm going to wrap some of oh, it. Oh, no. It's going to be great. But we're talking about uh, specifically the, the Broadway musical... Um, that was an adaption of the movie, which was an adaptation of the real-life event. And, um, you know, they brought back the original writers, uh, uh, the, the, the songwriters of the movie, which is the incredible Alan Menken and Jack Feldman. Uh, Harvey Feierstein wrote the book yes, for this Harvey. musical. Uh, it won a couple of Tonys. It was nominated for a bunch more. Um, Alan Jeremy Menken, Jordan is oh, there. We will, uh. we will get to Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. And if anyone is like, hey, Mim and Ellis, uh, you know, Broadway's not happening. This show hasn't been on Broadway for years. How have you engaged with this material? Well, we're very happy to tell you that we did so legally. Mm. Uh, because there's a really high quality recording uh, on Disney Plus, uh, which is, it's not the Broadway production. It's like the same cast and it's the same show and Corey and stuff, but it was when it was in it, it, it. California. Uh, like, paper mill I think so it, it, I think it was a recording done of the tour or something and the cast is like an amalgamation of original Broadway cast and people who were on tour um, with the, this show the leads are more or less the same yes um, like Jeremy Jordan came back uh, I love him so much Cara Lindsay came back um, Andrew Keenan Bolger came back um Ben Fankhauser. Ben Fankhauser. I love him. So I all love of, him. All of the young cast uh, from Broadway came back, um, and 
and I, you know, they did a wonderful job. And I think it's wonderful that more of these productions are being filmed and mm. made available. Uh, so if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It is it is a spectacle. It's like the set is like this whole scaffolding thing with projection and everything moves around and like oh the freaking choreography. Choreography is great. And again, like I've said this before, um, I I skew singer uh, just slightly. Fifty-one forty-nine. Fifty-one forty-nine. When it comes to no, I'm a, I identify as a strong mover. Maybe not even strong sometimes. Um, I'm an enthusiastic mover. <laughs> what you lack in skill, you make up for in enthusiasm. Exactly. Um, but because I am not a trained dancer, sometimes the the you know significance of like how impressive something is and how like physical how physically demanding it is and how physically impressive it is kind of goes over my head Mm. because i wouldn't know the first thing about starting to try and do it but oh my god just the cory from a spectacle and and like a an originality perspective like yeah there's some really good cory really creative uses of props as well yeah they they do they do turns on newspapers. Mm-hmm. It's freaking sick. It's great. It's so great. And one thing I loved about this, because there's a lot of close-ups of the dancing, and you can see on every dancer's face how hard they are concentrating on making sure that they land on those pieces of paper mm. after they're doing, like, they kick up and then they swap bits of paper Aww. with somebody. They are focusing so much. It's really, really impressive. I also really enjoy the part where um, Jack and Davey, who are like the two of the male leads, kind of come and like come forward and do this really like sort of um, stoic kind of stompy dancey bit, and they mm. kind of like get the party started. And as soon as the Cory gets hard, they just dart off <laughs> into the wings, and the dancers come forward and do like the hard shit. And every it's now and so again, they pop me. back on. They yeah. do an, another little move, and then they run off again. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. Big fan. I think the thing that stands out to me about Newsies and about us discussing Newsies is the fact that we've spent a little bit of time ramping into it. And I think that's because the representation of women in this is quite lacking. Yes and no. Yeah. The thing is that if you're looking at it from like a numbers perspective of like (laughs) how many women there are in the cast compared to men or like female characters or significant female characters. Yeah. Yes. Very lacking in comparison to the fact that the cast is stacked with men and boys. Yes. However, on the rare occasion that we do have a female character, the women that we do see are feminist icons. If I, you ask me. I, I'm not 100% sure I agree. But, like, for the most part, I think I do. But I think that the writing and the execution of the characters lets them down a little bit. Mm, Let me state my case. Please, please do. So, the main female character that we see, her name is Catherine. Her nom de plume is... See, I told you I'd speak French in this episode. No, that was you. You said that. Um, But it came true. It did. Um, Careful what you wish for. (laughs) Uh, Her um, pseudonym that she writes under is Catherine Plummer, Mm -hmm. but that's to hide the fact... That she's actually Catherine, I want to say Pulitzer? Pulitzer. Yeah. The whole time, I was like, is this the guy that the Pulitzer Prize was named after? Because he doesn't seem like a good dude. No, he doesn't come across well. So, yeah. So the villain in this piece is Joseph Pulitzer, who yeah. the Pulitzer Prize is named after. Yeah. Because he runs the big paper. And um, he he is exploiting the children who distribute the paper. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the kind of main conflict comes from. And, like, really, like, one of the most prestigious... Awards for literature in the world, and you're naming it after this child exploitation guy? It's like they were probably fine with child exploitation when they made the award, and then they're like, well, we can't unname the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, also, like, it's got a bit of a zing to it. Like, yeah. It's a fun name. It's got a z in it. It does. It does. Um, <laughs> anyway, Catherine. <laughs> anyway, Catherine is, if you ask me, quite a strong female character. Like, we, yes, she is set up from the beginning to be of like romantic intrigue 
to Jack, who's the protagonist. Um, but at the same time, she's so much more than that. And she, we see that she is determined and she is a defiant and she is a great writer and um, wants to be independent and not just rest on the laurels of coming from a successful family and um, is like sassy and talks back and sticks up for herself and is intelligent and I love her. And there are a couple of things that I particularly like about this character. So anyone that's not heaps familiar with the story, essentially she is a writer and she's trying to make her break and make a bit of a splash and she keeps getting assigned um, stuff that, you know, doesn't carry a lot of like journalistic significance. Like it's not the hard hitting stuff. She's like reviewing theatre and stuff. I think she works in the social pages or something. Reviewing theatre, very important, you know, just love to you know any theater reviewers it's not not to say there's not an important job but you know hard-hitting journalism is it not sure Mm -hmm. i think especially at the time it was kind of like relegated oh you're the woman you can have the easy job of of reviewing the little puff theater piece while we will go we the men will go off and and do the the hard-hitting journalism Mm. about the trolley strike and things like that yeah and the workers rights yeah and so basically what she does is she goes out on a limb and she's like, well, no one's going to cover the Newsies strike, so I'm going to do it. I'll get an exclusive. Mm. It's mutually beneficial because I will get a big piece and you guys will actually have somebody writing about your yeah. strike. Um, and, you know, we see throughout the fact that she is like very much fighting against a very institutionally misogynistic yeah. um, industry, um, which... You know, hot take. I would say that in the in the late nineteenth century, the majority of industries were probably <laughs> institutionally misogynistic. Yeah. Um, but she's got this banger of a song. I think it's a banger. Ellis disagrees. Ellis is wrong. Um, <laughs> where... We welcome all sorts of opinions here <laughs> on feminism ruins everything, unless unless I disagree about a song. But basically, she is. Um, you know, trying to hype herself up to write this story to, you know, A, best serve her writing capabilities, but also best serve the story so that um, word about the strike can get out. Yeah. And um, she's got these little asides about how, you know, she will, like, go to write something and people will be like, oh, a girl, like, what the hell? Is that even legal? Yeah. The other thing that I really love about the Catherine character is that you see this beautiful camaraderie with her and the Newsies, and you kind of see that mm. um, kind of through King of New York, that's sort of when it kind of bubbles yeah. away. Um, and I really like the fact that she um, like gets along with them really well, but like does so without compromising herself like it never feels like she's kind of changing herself to like fit in and be one of the boys like she just comes in and is her authentic self and Mm. they're drawn to that rather than her feeling like she has to change to fit in with them yeah she maintains her strong sense of identity yeah the whole time yeah um the other thing i also really love is um when you know you know the, the, the love story has come to a head and yeah that's a problem but whatever um, <laughs> but uh, she says something like oh you don't have to be scared of my father and he's like I'm not scared of your father I'm scared of you <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that so there was a, a, a line in that moment um, that I really liked because she she came up with the idea uh, of an idea and she's just like and Jack's like, no, 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 I'll figure it out. And she's like, oh, no, really? Uh, only you can have a good idea? Is that because I'm a girl? And then, and then she says to him, this would be a good time for you to shut up. <laughs> and We love women asserting themselves in heterosexual relationships. Yes, very good. If there was going to be a power imbalance in that relationship, it would be in her favor. <laughs> and, like, sure, maybe that's, that's more a, a class issue yeah. than a... Um, than a gender issue. Mm. Um, but even still, I appreciate that in the heterosexual pairing, he's not the one wielding the all power. of the power and authority. Yeah, That's pretty fun. 
I think she's a bit of a feminist icon for all of the aforementioned reasons. I think that everything you said is true and correct. Mm-hmm. And I think she does present herself in a very strong way. And particularly, I was very impressed with with Cara Lindsay's performance. I thought oh, she did an excellent Cara job. Cara Lindsay is everything. I've never really been impressed with Watch What Happens and then I watched her perform it and I'm like, okay, this song is clicking with me a lot better than it ever has before. I think the character is let down by the piece because Watch What Happens is really her only song, her only moment to to showcase herself and her story and um, one of our friends has a gag that the reason that song is a patter song is because they needed to cram all of her character <laughs> and development into that number yeah. so they're like we need as many words as we can yeah shout out to Gemma Allen friend of the podcast Gemical Cat Gemical Cat um, that, that's her take on it which I yeah. which I really enjoy and appreciate and I think I think that shows I think that shows it would have been really nice to see more of her as a character in the score. And I also think that she suffers because in the latter half of the piece, um, she is important in ensuring that the Newsies win and that the workers get better rights, but she also is kind of relegated to love interest. Mm. And her ending is more about, it's okay, Jeremy Jordan, our relationship is going to work out. Whereas he's being like offered jobs and the Newsies are, are winning and they don't really focus on her achievements in the end, but her thing is like, it's okay, I'm going to stay with you and we're going to be a couple. And mm. and I, I, I really think that the inclusion of the love story kind of weakens her resolve because neither the the love story or her personal journey um, get enough time to showcase themselves because they're competing. It feels mm. to me like they're competing with each other and you end up with like a not great love story and a not solid conclusion to a really well set up character. Mm. I'll pay that. I'll pay that. Um, I also get a bit miffed um, when they have the love song between the two of them, which is a disappointing love song. Not for any reason other than I just think it's a bit musically boring. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, sorry, is this the same guy that wrote A Whole New World? <laughs> like, come on. Uh, not Alan Menken's best work, but basically the, um, the takeaway from that song is like, I was able to believe in myself because you believed in me. It's like, no, 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 that's not what we just saw. No. We saw you backing yourself the whole time. We saw you having resolve and strength and determination and courage. Like, way before Jeremy Jordan was there. Like, yeah, he was flirting with you. Mm-hmm. No worries. But, no, you believed in yourself. Come you, on. You got yourself there. You eschewed your family name and all the kind of privilege that it, it, uh, it offers you. And you worked hard. Give yourself some credit. Yeah. You didn't need Absolutely. Jeremy Jordan. Even though, let's face it, we all need Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. But you didn't need Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. I mean, his name is Jack Kelly. It's a, it's a character, but like... Uh, yeah. It's Jeremy Jordan. It's Jeremy Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, suppose, I think it is a credit to the fact that she is, I suppose, fleshed out and does have... Um, does serve a narrative purpose beyond the fact that she's a love interest in that you could get rid of the love story between Jack and Catherine and her presence in the plotline would still be important. Yes. So I, even though, yes, having the love story element does, I guess, like, detract from her arc somewhat, it doesn't, like, that's not her only arc. No, no, and, and, and that's, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, ju- I'm just... I think, I think the fact that I felt the love angle was done subparly, mm. poorly. Is, is that... Subparly, is that a thing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the, the, the fact that it was 
wasn't the best love story I've seen kind of to me just detracted from everything else and I don't think it really recovered from that even though uh, like I said I think I think she's really well established before that and her role in the plot is very significant yeah like I would have preferred it if there was just like a whole bunch of sexual tension that just kind of didn't have to culminate in a relationship. Yeah. You know? Like... It's way more exciting. Absolutely. Or, okay, this is my other um, <laughs> recommendation for um, how I think Newsies would... Um, could be improved. <laughs> that sounds so douchey for me to be like, oh, this is a award-winning musical. Here's how we could improve it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the... We have zero queer representation. Zero. Yeah. Which is shocking to me because Harvey Feierstein wrote the book and is, like, the original queer icon. Yeah. So, like, so much of their work is is dedicated to queer stories and, mm. and representation. Yeah. Um, and for there to be none of it in this is a bit like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, here's my proposal... And I bet there is fanfic about this out there, and I'm going to go seek it out, that there's actually a love story between Jack and Davey. Yeah. I think that would be a lot stronger, Yeah, to be honest. I bet that fanfic exists. <laughs> oh, 100% that exists. We love the queer fans. We do. We love the queer fans. Catherine isn't the only prominent female character. She almost is. She almost is. Um, there's also Meta. Uh, Meta Larkin owns the theatre that, you know, is friends with Jack, kind of looks after him. He does odd jobs for her. She exists. She exists. I also want to know, do other people think that her name is a play on the word Meadowlark? Discuss. I, I honestly didn't know what her name was until I looked it up because they really mumbled it when they said, Ah, Meadow! Yeah, I was not paying attention yeah. to that. I won't lie to you. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't pick it up. But, um... If you don't know... From one watch, from watching a, an entire piece, what a character's name is, I think that's pretty indicative of the significance of that character. Yes. And um, Meta is also the only uh, POC principal. She's played by uh, Aisha Dihaz and, uh, in, in the movie version that we saw. Uh, well, the... the filmed live version yes the filmed live not the christian version. bale movie it's very confusing it's very it's a the, musical based on a movie based on historical <laughs> events <laughs> yada 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 um she's the only poc principal or, or supporting character principal is a stretch principal is a stretch to be honest um in the binary of principal ensemble yes yes um <laughs> but to me, her role is very inconsequential by the way it is written. In, in the fact that her one song is kind of like, she, you know, they work in a theatre and her song is, and now performing in our theatre, it's better. <laughs> and I'm like, you could padding, take that. Padding, padding, You could take that right out and literally nothing would change. No. And for that to be the one role portrayed by a POC um, in, in your, your principal cast uh, is telling. Like, to me, it feels like they were like, oh, all the people in this are white. Let's, let's add Meta and give her a song. I mean, she was, she's a character in the movie. Yeah. So she's there. But even still. But even still. And it feels, also, yeah. it feels very like, oh... We'll cast a black woman in this role and we'll make it this sassy, larger-than-life character who comes on and belts to the heavens. And she does. And Oh, she don't get me wrong. She does, and it's awesome. Rocks that song. It's great. But, yeah. Can, yeah, it's just... It feels lazy to go, yeah. we're just going to... We're just going to do... Fulfill the stereotype. We're just going to... Force black women to play the roles that audiences expect them to, so that you know, yeah, they stay in the black women roles, so they don't, you know, disrupt the roles that are meant for white people. 
And, and before anybody in the comments is like, but this was based on historical accuracy and, and Joseph Pulitzer was white and all of the people would be white. I'm like, I don't care. I don't... See, I just, Hamilton. Just, I just, like, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. I don't care. They're singing and dancing and I can see the sets move and the lights. My, um, like... <laughs> my, uh, Your disbelief is already suspended. Think. It's theatre. Yeah. Da you know that the people portraying these characters aren't... Actually them. Aren't the newsboys who struck <laughs> in the 1890s. They didn't like, resurrect Theodore Roosevelt to come in at the end and save people. So just, just have more diverse casting. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about historical accuracy. You can suspend your disbelief enough to believe that these characters are who they are. You can suspend it one tiny smidge further... And believe that a person of color is still that character. Exactly. Like, exactly. Come on. I will. I will give uh, praise to uh, Meta's song that you could lift right out and doesn't serve the plot in any way. Um, <laughs> it I was really down on it when she began singing because it kind of began like I have this house and this yacht, but there's one thing that I don't have. And then the song kind of goes on to for her to have her realization of like, actually, I don't need a man. If you're not going to treat me right, screw you. I'll find somebody else. Also, I've got a mansion and a yacht and shit. <laughs> and by the end of the song, I was like, you know what? You've you've won me over. Well yeah. done. Well done. Mm. But again, but I think it's, so inconsequential. I think it's quite telling. Like, not only am I a music theater nerd, I have been a vocal teacher. Um, and like performing arts teacher for about six years. And most of the songs in Newsies by my students and by the classes that I taught have been done to death. Mm -hmm. Watch What Happens, check. Santa Fe, check. King of New York, check. Seize the Day, check. Carrying the Banner, check. And so I thought I was all over this score because I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know the songs from Newsies, no worries. And the fact that we went through and there were songs that I'd never heard, I was like, that's telling, isn't it? <laughs> Just yeah. for, you know, for a show that, like, I love this score. I think it's friggin' awesome. Ellis and I will have words about that <laughs> later. <laughs> um, but for a show that is so well represented in the music theatre canon and, like, for these songs to be so well known, like, mm. every theatre kid knows friggin' Seize the Day, don't they? Yeah. But to have a song that I was like... I, I think I've genuinely never heard the song, which is actually a lie because I've seen the show on Broadway, so I have to have heard it at least once. But you didn't remember but it. But I did not remember it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's telling. It's just The song is inconsequential, and uh, it's frustrating that the most replaceable character and the most replaceable song are played by the only woman of colour in the show. Yeah. Like, can we can we... Like, diverse casting is so much more than, than tokenism of being like, yeah. oh, well, we've got a black woman in the show. Like, no, 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 no. Can we please make sure that when we're casting artists of colour, they also have the opportunity to play, like, well-rounded, meaty, fleshed-out, complex characters, not to just rock up on stage and fulfil the sassy black woman stereotype. Yeah. That is my rant for today. <laughs> Thank you so much. One more point I want to raise about the casting of this show is the ensemble. Um, and while the, the, the filmed version of the musical, um, the ensemble was like a bit diverse, which is cool, but again, mostly white. But also, um, all the Newsies were men. and Boys. Well, men playing boys. Yes. You assume. You assume. Um, and... What stood out for me was the fact that multiple times during this musical, they mentioned the fact that there were male and female newsies. I'm going to fact check you on that because when Jeremy Jordan, playing Jack, but it's Jeremy Jordan, does the spiel about, like, we're doing this for all of the boys and girls in New York, I feel like he's not specifically talking about newsies. I feel like he's talking about child labourers more generally. Even so... Um, Girls and women were a part of the workforce, and I feel like the fact that they're not represented anywhere, particularly when there were female newsies in real life who took part 
in the the strike and the unionizing, they were they they had a seat at the table. They were a part of it all, and the fact that the ensemble are entirely male, or and some of the ensemble are the women ensemble dressed as boys during some of the dance numbers. Yeah. I, I what? Why aren't there women? Well, in a in a fun turn of events and in a positive turn of events, the production of Newsies that happened in Florida in 2018 had girls as Newsies that were, you know, presenting female. Amazing. Um, So they made the active choice. The director, Marcos Santana, Mm -hmm. hi Marcos, uh, like went back and looked at all this like archival footage. Like I I had a look at some of the photos. They these gorgeous photos of these darling female children selling mm-hmm. newspapers and was like, yeah, there were girl newsies. Like, they, they definitely weren't the majority and mm-hmm. um, it was still very male-dominated, but they were absolutely girls who were newsies. And so he was like, screw it. <laughs> girls as newsies in the ensemble. Make it happen. Amazing. I, th- I, think, I think that's great. That, yeah. that is wonderful. But uh, to me, newsies... In terms of the representation of women, it feels like it suffered from the thing that a lot of stereotypical Broadway shows suffer from in terms of representation, in terms of our one female character is going to be a love interest or essentially a stereotype who doesn't really affect the plot and the ensemble's going to be mostly guys and we're going to have a couple of women filling in bit roles. There's a secretary. Yeah, who's like shrill. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's her whole shtick. Yeah, and so I'm just to me. I got to the end of watching Newsies, and there were parts of it that I really enjoyed. Um, I think it brought, addressed a bunch of issues that we're about to go into um, that I think it addressed really well, uh, and some others that it definitely didn't. Yeah. Um, but I to me, it just felt like it suffered from the same issues that a lot of other things do, and it's not that I think Newsies is a blight on feminism, no. but I think it's representative of the broader issues that aren't called into question nearly as much. That's why we have a feminist podcast. Yeah. Calling them out. Taking them down one show at a time. One download at a time. (laughs) Are we jeopardizing our careers, Alice? Well, we're about to sledge Murdoch, so yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. All the good people are. Um... (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we sledge Murdoch, I want to talk about... Well, it's kind of, you know, um, tied in, I guess. I want to talk about how this show and the storyline is lefty as all heck. Ah, it is. Like, my sweet little lefty heart was just really thrilled (laughs) to see a musical that was about disenfranchised people being exploited and said disenfranchised people banding together, (laughs) striking, using their collective power, Mm -hmm. unionizing, and fighting back against the powerful people and winning. I was like... It was great. Yes. I found myself so engaged with the story. Mm. And and the... It's one of the few times where I think I might have preferred the book, the scenes... To the songs. Oh damn! Um, with the exception of Santa Fe, which I think is one of the best songs ever written. <laughs> I like that this whole episode is going to allude to the fact that by the end it's going to blow up into a huge disagreement <laughs> about how we feel about the score. But yeah. anyway, continue. Alice. <laughs> but uh, but I think the book is really strong and is yeah. really really interesting and has all this like kind of like cool political ideas about the the role of the worker. 
uh, and the working class. The power of the press. The exploitation of the wealthy, or the exploitation of the working class by the wealthy. Mm. Um, I think it's got so much to say in that. And so I was really engaged in those moments. And then a song would come on, and I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> the choreography is stunning, but this is nice. And then the scene would come back, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, what's going on? Yeah. Which, which I, I don't really get listening to musicals or watching musicals. I recognize that there might be some shortcomings in the representation of women in yeah. this show. However, I feel like if you're somebody who holds feminist, progressive values near and dear to you, you can look at the Newsies blueprint and go, hey, when people who are... Um, have been stripped of their power or who are at a disadvantage in our society decide that they deserve better and band together with one another to demand better of the people in power who are um, oppressing them, Mm. that change can happen. I feel like that's so much bigger than workers' rights. That's so much bigger than unions. That's that's activism to a T, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you can look at that and go, hey... um, uh, plucking an example off the top of my head um, currently the decriminalisation of abortion is happening Mm. like that discussion is happening in South Australian Parliament and you look at all of the women who have made that happen, predominantly women um, and recognise that all of these people have gone hey I deserve safe access to this, what is healthcare Mm. and the people who are denying me it in power are predominantly people whom this doesn't directly impact because, you know, we know that still um, in 2020, the majority of politicians and people in power are men. Yep. Hashtag patriarchy. (laughs) And um, the people who have been fighting for the decriminalization of abortion have been lobbying and banding together and making a raucous Mm. because this issue, until this issue cannot be ignored and has to be changed. It's sick. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, and I think it's wonderful to see uh, a, a main stage Broadway musical also taking that stance. Yeah, and the, the I mean, like, I think it's it's no secret that generally the arts and Broadway are lefty AF. Mm, yes, but also this is a Disney production. Oh, that is true. <laughs> and the fact that Disney can be somewhat conservative because when it boils down to it they are the Joseph Pulitzer of the world really mm. and so you know there's that there's that thing of like they want to make art but they don't want to make it too progressive to alienate aspects they of still want that the audience sweet, sweet conservative money because they have money and it's all about the money and so I think I think it's really cool to see shows tackling this kind of thing and also tackling it well. Yeah. And 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 also kind of giving power to 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 people who don't necessarily have it. Like our, our Jeremy Jordan plays Jack and Jack is not an educated person. No. Like he he is a working class. I live on the streets and I scrape by penny to penny and I don't really know much about the politics of the world and how it works but I know right from wrong mm. kind of thing and the fact that this is your hero and not who he is aided by people who are more kind of book smart than he is but he is the center of it and I think that's also kind of important to show that like you don't have to be an educated person mm. to make change or to recognize that your lot in life is isn't good or unfair absolutely he also makes it clear that it's not about him and it's not about his band of newsies he's like we're doing it for everybody it's not about pennies it's about all the child laborers being exploited that speech that he does is it in the middle of seize the day or right before seize the day yeah oh it's so good it's phenomenal it's so good and jeremy jordan does it so well oh just Jeremy Jordan. Oh. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. Oh. Um, we said we would touch on this, and so I want to touch on it. I was watching this with um, 
with my boyfriend and the whole time he was like, you know what, if you replaced the word Pulitzer with Murdoch, 99% of this would still work. Yeah, <laughs> and it really would. There, there are bits where he goes, um, well, I control the press, so I get to decide whether or not people know about your strike. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it, it just, it's so indicative of not only the power of the press, but how dangerous it is when that power is exploited. Yeah. Heck. It's, it's real good. It's real good. And I think, I think that comes down to having a really well-written book, for the most part. Yeah. Harvey Firestein did a really good job. This show does say a lot about class as well. A lot of the characters here are working class, and it very much posits this idea that the, the upper classes, or the, the 1%, or however you want to put it, are exploiting them. And it makes it very, very clear that this is what we are discussing in the outset. And I, I, I really like that. Mm. I think it does that stuff very well. And then... I, I feel like it so mm. easily could have like fallen into the trap of being really shallow and surface level in the way that that was explored. And it's yeah. actually done with care and, and nuance and, and depth. Yeah. And I feel like the issues that are being explored... Um, are actually given the weight that they deserve. And, mm. yeah, it's... The fact that you reminded me that it's a, it's literally a Disney production, I think, is is surprising. Yeah. Given the... Uh, the subject matter. Yeah. And the fact that Disney errs on the conservative side because they of want... the moolah. Yeah. One thing that does stand out to me, though, is the fact that one of our main characters is literally called Crutchy. Mm. Um. So, with regards to the portrayal of disability in this piece, I don't think it's done well. No, it's not. And, and it, it, it's a very... To me, it feels like a very, very old-fashioned depiction Mm. of a person with a disability. Because, again, the character's name is Crutchy in that he uses a crutch. Yes. And quite a number of times um, slurs are directed at him because uh, one of his legs uh, doesn't function. Mm. And it it was real old fashioned yeah. and and while a lot of like some of the ideas and the way that they handle like the class issues felt like a very kind of modern conversation this felt like it was actually from 1899 and not in a good way no no um so this week it was international day of people with disability i believe i think it was thursday thursday um and which I think makes this um, discussion even more pertinent and timely. But I, I, I mean, it's always a good time for disability advocacy, though. <laughs> um, but the thing that really stood out to me was the fact that words that um, are slurs that have been used against. Um, people with physical disabilities were just thrown around left, right, and center. It's even in the best song of the show, Santa mm, Fe. Yeah. Just casually yeah. thrown about. Yeah. I follow this really cool disability advocate on Instagram. Their name is Ruby Allegra. Um, maybe I'll tag them in the uh, yeah. art so that you can go see their cool work. But basically, for. Um, International Day of People with Disabilities, um, they posted quite a few talking points, but one of them was about the reclamation of the slur being crippled. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how um, how casually um, able-bodied people use that as a, um, as a descriptor, like to talk yeah. about, um, you know, mental illness or to talk about... Um, things that are not physical disabilities mm. um, and how 
that absolutely needs to be like able-bodied people shouldn't be using that word and that it's a word that has been reclaimed by people with physical disabilities and that's the only place that that word should be used yeah and i only said it before to be in so that we knew what word we were talking about (laughs) rather than to you know be an able-bodied person saying it Mm -hmm. um but the fact that it's just so normalized in this show and it's used so frequently um and like the character himself refers to himself in that way but like the the nature of the reclamation of words is that um on the most part whomever that word has been used against can use it to describe themselves in a way that's empowering but it shouldn't then be used as a descriptor from the outside looking in unless yes. it's like something that has been reclaimed so widely like you know queer for example yeah um but I think the other real issue with the portrayal of disability here is that it's seen as such a negative thing, mm. right? He's he, it's seen as a real disadvantage for him as a person, like in the in the strikes in everyday life, basically, um, other than to exploit it to sell papers. Yeah, um, and I would just think of kids with physical disabilities watching this going oh I have a physical disability like this guy so I'm also disadvantaged by it I'm also lesser than because of it and I just that isn't a message that we should be spreading without art no and and especially like in, in the opening introductory scene where Jack is kind of describing Santa Fe as this like magical place where all of your troubles come true. He's even like, you know, you have one breath of that fresh air and you won't ever need that crutch mm. again. And Crutchy's like, oh, you know, that's all I really want. I just wish yeah. I could walk and run and my life is so much worse because, because of that. And it's yeah. like, no, the, the, the issue isn't that you are differently bodied. It's that the world around you was not accommodating yeah. to that. It's like, here is the one square hole every peg has to fit in it. Yeah. And that is not the way the world should be. Yeah. Like, disability doesn't exist in a world that's accessible. Yeah. Like, it's it's not a, an issue of people with disabilities not being capable of certain things. It's It's the fact that the world isn't accessible in a way that allows them to do those things yeah so portrayal of disability (laughs) in newsies not good you can throw around the historical accuracy idea all you want i i don't think that we need to be historically accurate about things that are going to hurt modern audiences yeah or are going to stop the very real progress that is being made with regards to mm. the way that we we the the way that the opportunities that the disabled community have mm. in 2020 which obviously still are insufficient and you know while we've come a long way from the 19th century um, there's still so much work to do in that sector yeah. Especially by able-bodied allies because, you know, if you've got privilege, bloody use it to help it. people that don't necessarily have the same privilege. And also, like, history disenfranchised a lot of people. And so to vie for historical accuracy constantly, you're kind of vying for disenfranchisement mm. of people who have fought against that for so long. Yeah. And, like... yeah. Unless it's to actively make the point of, look how far we've come, let's never go back to this again. Mm. I think that's the only reason that you need to portray disenfranchised groups in a historically accurate way. Yeah. Just saying that's the way it was. Isn't good enough. Nah. Like Again... Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> Especially because, uh, at least in the in the, the film version that we saw, uh, Crutchy was played by an able-bodied actor yeah. who came out at the end without his crutch. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah. at least 
cast properly. It just, mm. there, there was a moment where I was watching it um, where they started referring to Crutchy as Crutchy. And I'm like, what, is there going to be a kid with glasses called Specs next? And then there was. Oh, actually? <laughs> yeah, like immediately afterwards. I'm like, Specs, get over here. And then a kid with glasses walks in. And I'm like, okay, so we're doing it. We're doing it to everybody. Yeah. Uh. 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 <laughs> so, Ellis, we've held off on this discussion long enough. Yeah. I would now like to chastise you for not appreciating the music in this musical for how good it actually is. Look, I think... And I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Would you like to go first? The score is brilliant. The music is gorgeous. The score is fine. My, my, I think my main issue with it is <clears throat> Santa Fe is one of my favourite songs. It's an audition song of mine. I sing it literally any chance that I can. <laughs> like on our Like Instagram on our Instagram, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> classic. It's, uh, it's a phenomenal song. And to me, nothing else in the score comes close to it. And that isn't really the score's fault but to me i'm just like well why would i listen to any other song when i could listen to this incredibly beautiful song and because they're all the other songs tunes. all the songs are fine except i think the love duet's really boring oh i will i will and, agree with you on that one and the uh, pulitzer song is just a bit forgettable and expositional um but it's like it's fine. You need the, the You need it. Bits. It's necessary. Not every song can be an absolute winner. No. But it just so happens that many of them are absolute winners. I... Seize the day, Ellis. How cold-hearted do you have to be to not find Seize the Day so rousing? You know what? The and first verse... It's time to seize the day. Stare down... I don't even know if I got those lyrics right. <laughs> Yards and seize the day. I'm going with it. The first verse of Seize the Day, really rousing, really inspiring. The dance, like all the dancing is phenomenal. The 15th verse of Seize the Day, <laughs> I'm a bit, okay, we've seen, the day's been seized. <laughs> Again, the 78th time they tell me that they're carrying the banner. I'm like, great, where are you carrying it to, perhaps? Is there a plot you could lead the way to? Every, yeah, the to me, every like rolling out. As to that me, happens. every song is far too long, except for Santa Fe, which is perfect. And King of New York, I think, is really bland. I think it's a tune. It's I think like it's such a tune. They're, they're, they're and it shows fine. their camaraderie. Like, it's fine. And you get to see some of the personalities that aren't the main players in the Newsies gang. Name any of the personalities of the players who aren't the main ones. The cigar one. What's his personalities? Having a cigar is Having a, a cigar. Per- that's not a personality. <laughs> he wants a pair of new shoes with matching <laughs> laces. That's like saying that... It's, m- an, it's an I want song, Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> But that's like saying that my personality is that I have a podcast. Which Isn't that your entire personality? It kind of has become that, yes. <laughs> um, look, I just... The score's fine. I, I think cannot that, believe that you would speak ill of our close personal friend and friend of the podcast, love of our lives, Alan Menken. I think Alan Menken is one of the best composers ever. I would highly agree with you. And I just think that this isn't one of his better works. No, I love it. Alright, I love if, it. If you if you listed out all of Alan Menken's works. Yeah. Do you really think that Newsies would be top five? <sighs> I probably not. Top ten? Yeah. Yeah. Low top ten. Don't manipulate me like this. <laughs> <laughs> um you made a point earlier that I thought was really funny, so I want to give you the opportunity to say it on air. On air? We don't do this live. That'd be a mess. Um, oh, no, we do sometimes. No, we do. And when we do, it's... We prepare far more than usual. So much more than usual. <laughs> um, but uh, you made a point about Newsies winning the Tony for best score. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. 
Even though I disagree, because it's awesome. The score is good! Alan Menken uh, won the Tony for Best Original Score. And I think that that was due to two factors. One of which was that it was kind of a... Holy shit, we haven't given Alan Menken a Tony before mm. award. Uh, so like that, a... That uh, is like the time that Elton John won Best Original Score at the Oscars last year for that snooze fest that he <laughs> wrote for his biopic. Yeah. When it so obviously should have been stand-up by oh, Cynthia Erivo from Harriet. 100%. AKA one of the best songs ever written. It was so good. But I think, Robbed. It, I think it was, a, I think it was a, a career, Tony. I'd like, you have contributed so so much to our industry oh, 100%. you are deserving of this award and i agree with that sentiment but also that was the year that once mm. came out on broadway and once his score was not eligible because all the songs were from a previous source and so i think that is the reason newsies won mm. the tony not that the score was so brilliant that the tony needed to go to them the score is good Santa Fe is genius. Everything else is fine. Also, the other point is that um, what I would say is Alan Menken's best work, and also just so happens to be my favourite musical of all time, so I'm a bit biased, being Little Shop of Horrors, the original productions of it were off-Broadway, mm-hmm. so it was never eligible for like a best score Tony, yeah. which it would have won. Oh, because oh damn that's good score that's good score that's good that's score. a good score but it was never eligible so do you reckon they were like alan just like we'll, we'll lick the engraving off this one if you <laughs> want to just like add newsies and little and shop little shop <laughs> <laughs> um there's a really good youtube video and i reckon i might have recommended it when we were talking about beauty and the beast or enchanted or any of Alan Menken's works that we have raved about before because he's amazing. Um, there's this really cute, very wholesome video of Alan Menken doing a 10-minute, like like a very extended yeah. mashup of like all of his best tunes. Oh, awesome. And it's just him and a piano like singing A Whole New World and Be Our Guest and Suddenly Seymour. Oh. And it is wholesome as anything. That's so good. So please do yourself a favor and go find a video of Alan Menken doing a medley of his hits because it's so cute. While you're also on YouTube and doing the deep dive, Please you, uh, Google or, or search, or I don't know how the internet works, I'm ancient. Please look up Jeremy Jordan. Mm. It's all coming back to me now. Interesting. It's a Celine Dion song. Yes. Um, and he, he does, it's like seven minutes long. And that, that video um, is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Which leads us to... Jeremy Jordan. Jeremy. Oh, oh, Jeremy Jordan. I don't think you and I have ever agreed so much on a man that we've been in love with, Ellis. I don't think so. Like I think your your taste in men tends to be like a bit left field. A little, a little bit. Like I. Yeah. My taste. Uh, my my response to Jeremy Jordan though is that I'm aware that I'm straight and he is straight and he is married. But we will then we will end up together. That's beautiful. That it's 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 gonna happen. I'm really happy for you. Happen sometime. Maybe this time. I'll marry Jeremy. I'll marry Jordan. Jeremy Jordan. <laughs> There's something about that man. Tell me about your take on your sexuality, because again, <laughs> again, you said something funny before I we did. started recording, and I want to give you an opportunity to be funny again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm You're glad. Welcome. I'm glad that you you think I'm funny. Eh, um, occasionally. <laughs> uh, you know, but you you think about. Your sexuality things, and particularly in in certain conversations, it came up that um, I I think that I am approximately ninety eight percent straight. Beautiful. Um, and I give myself one percent of wiggle room because you you never know. You like, never know. I I am not all knowing. You never know what's going to happen in the in the cosmos. I might discover something later. You never know. So I, I'm like I'm going to give myself one percent wiggle room. And then the other 1% is Jeremy Jordan. Yes. Because... Correct. <laughs> oh, his voice and his chin <laughs> and his, chin. his everything. Like, th- there are moments where Jack is a bit of a... is coming on a bit too strong 
and is like a little bit of a pushy guy in pursuing Catherine. Mm. And I'm like, if this was anybody else, this would really annoy me. But the fact that it's Jeremy Jordan, it is working. I'm like, I, I would not be questioning it. I'd be like, where do you want to go? Because <laughs> I will follow you, Jeremy Jordan. We, we're doing this. But yeah, that is a point that we should have made, that maybe some of his advances towards Catherine are... Yes. Pushy. He, he is very pushy in the beginning and, and kind of like stops <laughs> uh, the, the, the more they get to know each other. And, mm. and I, think, I think part of it is like a respect thing, but he is yeah. very pushy early on. But also just as a baseline, let's just respect women as a default. Yeah. Rather than respecting the women that you know <laughs> or like <laughs> appreciate for their intelligence. Or are doing something that benefits you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just, just re- be respectful. As a general rule, respect women. Speaking of respecting women, Alice, <laughs> dumb question because there are only three female characters. <laughs> One of them I don't think has a name, is just a secretary. And not just a secretary. She might have a rich life outside of her secretarial work. But we don't she's... get to see it. No, we don't get to see it. One of them is a secretary. One of them uh, is not on stage for very long, and but just belts one song. And one of them only interacts with male characters. Does Newsies <laughs> pass the Bechdel test? Um, I'm going to say no. It's a there... big old fail here. Like I, I. There's the bit... I'm trying to think whether in the bit where they go back to the theatre and they find Jack and he's been hiding out there after they got beat up the first time. Like, do, do Meta and Catherine interact at all there? I'm pretty sure Meta is like, I think she says the words something like, um, uh, sorry, another woman is approaching, I must flee. Mm, and then sorry. and then dashes from the there stage. There can only ever be one woman on stage, otherwise... Yeah. You know, <laughs> turns out, the patriarchy combusts like, <laughs> spontaneously. Tur- turns out they actually only hired one actor, and so she had to like run off stage, do a quick costume change, come back on and play Catherine. Um, miscellaneous. <laughs> um, I do really like the fact that um, he paints sets for them, and she's like, here's some money for you painting our sets. And I'm like, paying artists? Yes. What? And she even is Amazing. like... And I think she's even like, you did work for us before. I'm paying you for the work oh. you did us before because artists should be paid. Pay your artist pals. Oh, um, I enjoyed that. But again, Jack, Jack is a male, and therefore that does not pass the Bechdel test. No, I don't think it passes the Bechdel test. It really, test. really doesn't. Okay, I'm... Actually, not quite sure what conclusion we're going to come to, but Ellis, do we write or ruin Newsies? I think the slights against it are too strong. You do? I, like I said, I I, I don't think, I I mean, maybe this is one where we personally differ. Because, again, I felt that, Catherine as a character was really let down by the writing. Mm. Um, even though she was established really well, I don't think they really utilize her in, in the same way. I don't think their portrayal of, of the disabled community is positive at all, yeah. even though the workers' rights unionist side of things is really, really good. Um, I, I don't think I could rate this piece. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've got like a strong female character who eventually becomes the romantic lead and even though that's not how she started, like that definitely is yeah. how she's concluded. Yeah, not a strong portrayal of disability and like so much good lefty shit. <laughs> but, and like commentary about um, the power of the press, etc., I think is so important. But when it comes to portraying people other than white, able-bodied men, yeah, does not do great. Doesn't doesn't really do it. Doesn't I hold up. I think I'm gonna err on the side of ruining it, but just okay. Like I want to straddle the fence, but I think I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fair. But the score is so good. <laughs> the score is really there. Just and so's Jeremy Jordan. Oh, he's oh. so there. Yeah, he is. Just. Um, pals, what I'm gonna do on our Insta 
is um, post some of the photos of the girl newsies that oh, were um, in some of the archival um, websites that I've found. Um, <laughs> they're beautiful photos. Mm. I mean, very awful that young children of any gender had to work like child labour on the whole. Not good. Not a good idea. Um, but, yeah, just for a historical intrigue, yeah. I'm going to post some of the photos because they're beautiful photos. Um, Mim, if yes, our Alice. wonderful fans out there would like... Fans, strong word. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, maybe. <laughs> Whether they are fans of the content is another thing. Mim, um, if our devoted, borderline obsessive... <laughs> Uber fr- fans of uh, our show yes, yes. would like to get in touch with us. How can they do that? Well, firstly, they can tell us all of their thoughts packed into a very short patter song that puts all of their character development <laughs> in two minutes. How'd I do? That's, That's your good. bit. No, no I, really, like I really like that. Well done. Um, then... They can find us on the Instagram, which is at Feminism Ruins Everything Pod. <gasps> they can find us on the Facebook, which uh, where our name is Feminism Ruins Everything Dash. It's, it's a feminist, feminist podcast. podcast. Or they can hang out with us on Patreon, uh, where our handle is patreon.com forward slash Feminism Ruins Everything Pod. If they feel so strongly inclined that they would like to uh, chuck a few dollars our way, um, if they really like the content. It. Yeah. Um, we we love our patrons. Hi to all our new patrons Hello. as well. Hello, welcome. We we love you. Thank you to all the ones who have stuck around. Yeah. Um, we'll be posting some fun new content for you guys really soon. Yeah. Alright, I think that is all we have time for that's, today, my that's friends. All we've got. Thank you for listening in. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Seize the day. Santa Fe is really good. Alright. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.